morning, UA. Uh, Mitch's in Greece with his family. Uh, and uh, Jen and I get to lead worship uh, and certainly on our last day. Remarked on this journey. Uh, I know what you're thinking. It should be Jenna up here, not me. And I agree. Uh, if she wasn't working a ton of hours, then she would be. Um, it's going to be a little raw, and it's going to be a little honest with. Uh, I'm I'm very tired. Uh, when I was thinking about what I want to talk about with y'all. You know, things come up where I'm thinking, well, of course, um, the things that I've learned while I'm here, which are a lot, which is a lot, the things that Jenna has learned while she's here, it's a lot. I'm thinking through different things. Uh, maybe one of the passions that I have, uh, you'll know how I feel about little niche topics uh, like um, temple cosmology. And just none of it mattered this weekend. I appreciate your prayers, Steve. Um, let me be very frank, I'm exhausted. Um, I'm kind of tired where I wake up tired. The kind of tired that isn't solved by putting my phone away like TED Talks tell me. The kind of tired that uh, works its way down to the heart. Uh, the kind of tired that's not fixed by knowing what number my sleep mattress needs to be. Uh, kind of tired that isn't fixed whenever I pick up dinner instead of cooking, or whenever I work on work-life balance. I'm talking about bone-deep exhaustion. Uh, my dad used to call it uh, worn to a frazzle, except for he said he was so worn to a frazzle he couldn't even finish it, so he would just say, I'm worn to a frazz. And guys, I'm angry. Um, I'm angry so often, because I look around me, and all I see is hate these days. And it feels like that for a long time. In fact, I, I, was, I was thinking about this. I don't think you get to be the type of exhausted unless you are angry about something. I know a lot of people in here uh, are similar kind of tired. and just haven't said it. Tired or angry. Um, go to the next slide, Carrie. I think that we kind of feel like that sometimes, and it's just a little bit of an unspoken. Right? Be the light of the world, and I feel like that. But I also think that you have very good reason to be. I think I have good reason to be. Um, I want you to think for a second. And this is my first job in ministry. I want you to think for a second what the last few years have been like. And I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking about everything. Big societal things. Um, can, you, can you bring the whiteboard over here? Um, so I wanted to take a little time first to just actually walk through some of those things. This isn't meant to drag you through it again. Not to make you angry or tired again, right? But um, uh, depends on how my handwriting is. You see how it works. You do have better handwriting than me. So I want to start off actually the lesson by saying the things out loud. Uh, I 
want I want everyone to participate in this. Um, so I'm gonna be writing out some of these things. Right. I'm gonna get some of the obvious ones out of the way. Okay, let's start off with that, right? This weekend. And it's not just this weekend. As the first week that I worked here, uh, five years ago, was Sutherland Springs, the church, right? It's the first week I work here, and the last week that I work here, and all the weeks in between. Um, I want to hear from y'all, specifically. Okay, what are the big things that have happened in the last few years? I know you've got some COVID, and we could talk about the subcategories of these for the whole time. Uh, you know, of course, what are some big things that have happened though? I want to actually hear from y'all. And also, it's not, <laughs> quick premise, this isn't about picking sides with things, right? Because a lot of the things that we fight about are just about which side are you on? Are you this side or are you that side? Because I need to know how angry I need to be about this. Um, and I need to know how exhausted I need to be about it based on what you say. So, you know, temper what you say and how you say it. So I'm saying, what are the things that have happened? Because, you know, with this, I don't care in, in this instance if you are, uh, are, are fighting against uh, guns or, uh, or pro or whatever. That's not what this is about at this moment and, and today. This is about, this happened, and it affects you. It affects, it's happened in Texas. It, happened, it wouldn't matter if it just happened in Texas, it happened in California, it happened across the world. It happened. Okay, these are big society things. COVID, I don't care your, your opinion on Vax. I don't care right now, right? The point is it happened, and it's exhausting, okay? And so, things that have happened, I want to hear. Yeah, say it. Well, mine was polarization. I feel like mm -hmm. it's okay. Mm -hmm. Polarization, absolutely. Uh, I, I know you. <laughs> she, she wise woman, she, she took 50% of mine. We don't do truth, we do narrative. Truth versus narrative? Tribal okay. narrative. That's okay. so dangerous. Okay, what are some events? Uh, climate change. Climate? Okay. Mm -hmm. Ukraine. Ukraine. Okay, Janaya, actually, I'm going to need to do this. <laughs> I've been down there and I've talking to Ukraine and a thousand things with that. We have friends that we know over there, right? Jenna, she was over there. Y'all sent Jenna over to Ukraine. I don't know if y'all remember that or if you were there for that, right? Carrie spent time over there. I know a lot of people, there's a huge Church of Christ connection in Ukraine. And regardless, again, it's not about that. It's not about all the Church of Christ. It, this is happening and people are suffering. And you hear about it day after day. What else? <clears throat> family losses. Yeah, family losses. There are also one-time events, too. Um, winter storm, right? Times two. One worse than the other. Uh, that was something that happens. It doesn't have to be, well, there's a war. It could be, well, you had to boil water, and you, you might not have had power, and you had to struggle for, uh, for a while, and uh, had to figure things out. What else? Horses. Okay, I'm gonna think before we do this one. We're gonna to get to. I'm talk, I want to talk about big community things, and we're gonna to get to individual things. Yeah. Homelessness. Homelessness. Yeah. Man. Shortages. 
shortages. Yeah, I was like, so in part of this, in preparing for the sermon, I was going through and uh, remembering stories, looking up stories, and I remember the Suez Canal blockage, right? And at first, it's like, haha, funny, uh, ship got caught, people were making memes about it, and it was like, oh no, this is blocking up. Millions, millions and millions and millions of dollars are being lost, oh, there's shortages, and that's one of the many different shortages we've had <laughs> over the various uh, years, right? Yeah, y'all remember, uh, wasn't too long ago, that California, basically the entire West Coast was on fire, people were evacuating, right? What, it was something like 80% of Australia was on fire, I don't know if you remember that. Well, police riots was uh, a couple days ago, it was uh, Man, that, that's its own whole category. Absolutely right. Again, I'm not trying to, with all of these, man, okay, so I, I, I want to say more about it. Uh, someone said something in the back. What was it? Row. What was it? Row versus Wade. Row versus Wade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two miles. Uh, no, two miles. One mile right there. I was driving to work. And I just saw one protest, one counter protest, and then one counter counter protest. Uh, people yelling, and then I pull up Facebook, and man, half the people, I'm like, well, this is, if, you're, if you think this, you suck. And then I look over, I scroll down a couple, uh, you know, just two posts down, and someone says the complete opposite. The great resignation, is that what they call it? Yeah, people put in their jobs. Various reasons. Yes, that's happening. Has been happening for a hot minute. I think that's that's good. Once you finish that one, you know. <coughs> Say the diminution of faith. Oh yeah. Just in general. Okay. We could spend the whole time just doing this. I actually think that would be valuable in some sense. Um, because, man, we forget very quickly. Well, we forget up here. I think our, our bodies still carry it. Um, there's a book that I love called The Body Beat Score. Uh, and it talks about, anyway, that's its own thing. But, thank you, Jenna. Um, you're good. No, no, you're, you're done. Thank you. Love you. Um, I am, I'm not trying to overwhelm anyone. Again, that's not the point. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you relive it or anything like that. You're already carrying it. I just think that sometimes we forget what has happened and just how much we took in. And we can play the game of who suffered the most. That's, the, that's a dumb game and no one wins. It's not about that. Suffering is suffering is suffering. Um, if it was all of the who suffers the most, then no one would have the right to suffer. So these are the community things, though. These are just the, these are the, the eagle eye, these are the top uh, 10,000 foot view things that happened. Okay, what about individually? We brought up some of these. Now, I don't want you to say these, because some of them you can't say. I know, or don't want to say. I want you to think just in this room, 
either for yourself or the people to your right or the people to your left, I want you to think about what you or the people next to you have gone through. I'm in the office. You know, with Rayma, and she gets those phone calls uh, ready to put things in for care concerns. And look, we need to know what's happening with each other as a body. Care concerns need to happen. We need to be updated. Things are happening all the time. That's a lot. Think about people that we've lost. Um, or, you know, moved. That is a, that's something that you carry. Uh, think about the lost jobs. Uh, think about the depression during uh, all of this. Think about um, family members getting sick or needing surgery, right? And those are important. We need to know, but a lot of it we just carry by ourselves, and so you're carrying all of that. You're carrying all of that. Guys, I'm exhausted. You know, and then, look, even with like UA's future, it's important to, to have Elders, it's again and again, so we want to make sure that everyone knows what's happening all the time. Communication, right? I applaud that. That is exactly what we should be doing. And they've been doing it well. It's still a lot, you know? So there's personal, there's community, there's world. There are these layers and layers and layers of things that are happening. <clears throat> And I'm tired. I want to read these verses again. Because um, as I was reading them, I picked up on something that I hadn't picked on, uh, up on before. I'm going to start in verse 4. Uh, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, with a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, what was that? And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Stop. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey. We've seen verses, we've seen stories where Jesus is tired before, right? Uh, the feeding of the 5,000 right beforehand, uh, he's tired. He, or he's trying to find some place to relax and get away. And then he sees the crowd has to be on him. There's the time in the boat where he's sleeping and they're like, Jesus, there's a storm happening. He's like, yeah, but I'm tired. Uh, why, why are you all making me up for this? Uh, there's stories again and again. There's the woman uh, who touches Jesus and says, a little power left him or something like that. We see Jesus being tired pretty consistently, but I think this is an important part. And I want you to, as much time as we've spent talking about the reasons why we're tired, we absolutely, and, and should be, I sat for a little bit on this verse. Jesus was tired as he was from the journey. Well, one, I think there's a physical exhaustion. Where he was to this, uh, my understanding is about a six-hour walk, right? And he gets there at noon, so he's been, he got up at 6 a.m. and walked. Uh, six hours. If I drive six hours, I'm like, you better find me seven or eight good podcasts, and I hope I can make it. 
Um, Jesus is up at six, walking six hours. I think there's a physical exhaustion to it. And keep in mind, I think those cause physical exhaustion. Right? You tell me how those don't cause physical exhaustion. Um, Jesus is physically tired, but I think he's so much more. Because I started thinking about stuff happening with him during this, right? I mean, there are Pharisees hounding him. How would you have to live with every single moment of your life someone's trying to trap you, chase you down, trick you, finding the gotcha question? That's exhausting. Pharisees hounding him, trying to trick him. He's walking everywhere. People are bombarding him for help. The knowledge of how he was going to have to die, the knowledge of his friends betraying him, the knowledge of his friends uh, uh, acting as if they didn't know him, right? We just sang, uh, what friend we have in Jesus? And at the end of it, uh, what's that one? Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. One of the reasons that we take it to the Lord in prayer is because he knows what it's like to have friends who despise and forsake him. He's living in a time where he's watching his people be subjugated. He's watching a time of injustice still reigning amongst his people. He's watching a time of financial oppression. He's watching a time of moral failure. That was brought up. He's watching a time where people don't know him. I bet he got tired of people not knowing him. People misunderstanding him. I bet he got tired of people not understanding him. Tired of his own disciples not getting it. Tired of his disciples wanting to pick up a sword when he just shown them the way of washing feet. Tired. Deeply tired. My proposition is that maybe being weary doesn't make you weak. It just makes you weary. Here we have a verse where the creator of the universe, God in the flesh, a man who just four chapters before, uh, John is reminding us, that's the light, light of the world that was there at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, right? And the Word became flesh. God became man, perfection on earth. And he was here four chapters later, and he's tired. He's tired on his journey. I am the light of the world. You know, John is famous for the I am statements. Uh, seven. I think that's right. I am the light of the world. I'm the true vine. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection. I am tired. Um, let's keep going with this. So, Jesus has gone through Samaria. Now, uh, there's a lot here, y'all. There's a lot of hostility between uh, Jews and Samaritans. They, they quite frankly hate each other. Uh, see, the descendants of, of the Jews, that's what the Samaritans were, way back at, when, at some point, probably during the exile, they split off. Um, and Jews started, well, the, the Samaritans started marrying Gentiles, uh, and so the Jews saw them as unclean. They saw the things that they touched as unclean. They saw the land of Samaria as unclean. Um, so the fact that Jesus is even walking through there uh, is a huge thing. They saw them as sellouts. And there are theological differences as well. Uh, Samaritans only held to the, the five books the, the New, uh, or of the Old Testament. Those were the five. And then the Jews got it all wrong after that. Uh, Samaritans thought they were the ones uh, who were the inher uh, inheritors. Um, well, Jews didn't see it that way, and so there's a lot of tension there. Um, they thought that Israel went to heresy and that God had abandoned the Jews. Samaritans thinking they're the heirs. 
Um, and so it's a little bit of what I see on Facebook. Honestly, well, no, I'm the, I'm the right. You're the one that, that's wrong. I'm I'm right. You're wrong. Let's uh, let's just rinse and repeat and recycle that. Um, one of the main theological differences also was where they thought God was. Not only did uh, they think that God was on their side and not on the other side, they disagreed about where God could even be met. Um, you can flip to the side, there should be a mountain uh, that's in the slides there. Yeah, this is Mount Gerizim. This is where the Samaritans thought that God resided. Uh, they believed that Noah stepped off of his ark onto this mountain. They believed that this was the mountain where Abraham was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. And this is where God was. Uh, this is... Uh, Samaritans still live there and still worship on this mountain, and they still believe this is where God is. Well, the Jews didn't see it that way. Well, God's not there. God, why would God be with y'all? He's not there. No, 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 no. He's in Jerusalem. Uh, he's in the temple. I think that that plays a really important part uh, in this interaction that we're going to see. Um, I'm going to try not to, to dive into every little thing I see. Uh, but, okay, so jumping into verse 5. Right, uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Again, uh, remind us, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... Oh, well, okay, let me stop there. Uh, here's the thing. Lady is understandably surprised. Not only is there a Jew in in Samaria, which that's a no-no. Um, well, here's a, uh, here's a man talking to a woman who wasn't his wife. That's another rule. Uh, she was a Samaritan. Uh, like I said, another no-no. Uh, but the most surprising thing is he wanted a drink. See, not, the land itself was, was unclean. And Samaritans were unclean. Been drinking after a Samaritan? Because, you know, if you're going to ask for a drink, you're going to ask for a cup. You're going to be drinking after a Samaritan. Jesus starts with that subversion, I'll say. Um, you don't want to touch anything, much less drink after them. Uh, but it's so, it's so like Jesus to go against these social and, and cultural and, and religious divides that people uh, have. He just barrels very gently forward. Um, so in verse 10 here, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it was that asked you for a drink, uh, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, You have nothing to draw uh, with, and the well is deep, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well? And drank, oh, so there's a little bit of a sass in there too, our father Jacob, uh, who, uh, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Well, and Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's not a debate about it. If you go to John 7, 37 through 38, uh, 39, he just says, Oh, yeah, when I was talking about that, this is what I was talking about. When I'm saying uh, the water <laughs> that was going to give you, uh, it's going to quench your thirst, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's this bottomless well that flows out of the inside that quenches the eternal thirst. Uh, she's not getting it. I suspect her response is maybe even a form of mocking. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to be thirsty again. Yeah, tell me how to get this thing. Um, and then we go to 16. He told her, go call your husband uh, and come back. I have no husband. 
he said, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Um, little little tongue-in-cheek, Jesus is bringing up something about a past inner present, and we're going to see why in a little bit. Uh, so the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that, uh, that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Uh, like many of us, if we knew we were talking to a prophet who knew things about our past, we would immediately uh, change the subject uh, and, and, and go to, well, let's talk about the mountain issue. Um, so, and even 21 says here, Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Uh, you Samaritans worship, but you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is from the Jews. Uh, he's saying, well, um, we've got a little bit off track here, but what, what he's about to say, he's about to say that it doesn't matter, right? You're trying to have the debate again. You're trying, you're trying to bring up, well, is God here? Is there? You know, are you right? Am I right? What's happening? And he says, that's, that's not relevant. That's not what we're talking about, as he always does when he's confronted with something like this. Uh, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So he weighs in on this theology, but ultimately he's saying, it's not why I'm here. Jesus is saying is God, God is looking for people that aren't fighting, aren't going to be fighting over which mountain to worship him on. Realize that he's already there. He's looking for a, a people group that isn't divided by Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, right, male, female, all those things, but by spirit and truth. He's the God of all people and the God of all places. That is the God of spirit and truth. So she, she's not quite tracking. She says, well, I, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Well, well you're talking to me. <laughs> That's me. And there's this stunned silence, I, I think. A woman doesn't even fill her jar. She just uh, leaves it. Right? I'm going to bring up some of the things that go on kind of later on in the story. Because what happens is she leaves the jar and she runs into town. Okay, so there's, there's one other thing I'm going to bring up that we, that we might have missed here. So, so Jesus was tired of his journey and he got there about noon, right? That is not when people went to go get water. That's not when women would go get water. You might have heard this before. Good to hear it again. Women would normally go early in the morning in a group, one, safety, uh, two, the water is cool then. I don't know how many of you ever drank a water that's been in your car. It's not great. Right, well they understood that principle too. So they would go there in the morning so you'd get cool water. She's here at noon. This is a hot climate. <laughs> Why? She's alone. See, uh, this story about her having uh, five husbands and uh, now living with someone, I have, I'm going to be frank, I've not seen anything like that in any writing from this time, uh, in this culture. The Samaritans were devout, right? It's, it's not this, uh, well, no, well they, weren't, they didn't have the same laws uh, as the Jewish culture, so, no, no, they were very, very devout. 
this is almost unheard of, but I, I want to I bring this up. Uh, a couple things. One, this culture, women can't divorce men. Pretty big thing uh, in the context of this. Highly, highly patriarchal. Uh, women, the men divorce the women, and when the woman is divorced, she's kicked out. Right? And it's her fault. There's a reason why the woman who's caught in adultery, right, uh, she's brought out there, not the guy. She's brought out there because it's seen as her fault. So uh, if someone's divorced, if a woman's divorced, then in this society, well, what did you do wrong? That's what it's seen. So then if it's five times, the assumption here is that something's wrong with her, right? Also means that the pool shrinks a little bit every time in that culture. It means that you got the guys that you're marrying probably get increasingly uh, bad. But it's her fault, right, in this culture. Uh, and now she's living with a guy that's just shocking. But this woman, and I say this to say, this woman is ostracized quite a bit, uh, which isn't surprising. Uh, God, uh, Jesus calls out his past and present. But notice this, despite this scandal, Jesus doesn't have a hint of condemnation in him. When she changes the subject, he goes with it. He shows her the Messiah and saying, Woman, I know I knew who you were before I offered you water. I'm just showing you that I knew who you were. And the water is still on the table. This doesn't affect my desire to care for you. This doesn't change my desire to show you grace, mercy, and the living water. See, I know everything about you, which means I know your pain. I know your rejection. I know you, how you've been judged and how you've been hurt. I know everything about you, including the thirst, the core of your being. I know how probably tired this woman was. I mean, one of the things that, that's in this, right, it's been a whole thing with us, is, oh, well, what about the isolation uh, that some of these things have brought, right? And so, and that's been a core of so many issues here. Talk about isolation. Uh, she's, she ha has to go and get her water at a different time, because I can only imagine what she was enduring from the people around her. And Jesus offered her water. Um, what Jesus knows and what we always need to remember is that, is that every, everything that this woman ever did is the same thirst that drives everyone. Every one of us is there, this desire to be cared for, protected, loved, understood. Right? And here she is at, at noon drawing water because she's pushed out of the community. Behavior is always a symptom. He sees the past and he sees the thirst. And this is why he sees it with compassion. See, in our culture, when we talk about all these things that are happening, some things are just happening to us, right? Natural disasters, right? It happens. Some of them are people's fault, right? Some, some others, man, it's a whole rabbit trail. But in our culture, we seek behavior, we rate the behavior, good, bad, righteous, unrighteous, and we attack based on it. A lot of these things come out of hate. We're just being isolated. When I look at that board, I see a lot of hate. When I look at that board, I see a lot of exhaustion. 
When I look at that board, I see a lot of isolation. When I look at that board, I see a lot of people who want a lot of things. Behavior is always a symptom, right? I think that's why this woman is so moved. Because finally someone saw beyond what you know, it's five men, six men, it's all behind that. As long as she was, and that he sees everything about her but doesn't reject her. He knows everything about her but he shows mercy. And it's got to this got to this woman in a way that I don't think has happened since she was a kid. Would be my guess. And her reaction tells us a lot. She runs to the same town that ostracized her. So she's going there at noon uh, to avoid all of these things because she knows how she's viewed. And she's running to that town and saying, hey, I think I met the Messiah. Because he saw everything. He, he was able to tell me everything that I ever did. And he still offered me water. Suddenly, she's this evangelist for Jesus. This woman is tired. And Jesus sees that. And he's pointing that very thing out to her. And you have to ask yourself, what well was she drawing from before? nothing new. It's a theme over and over again in Scripture. Every time I've basically taught any book from the Old Testament, this whole concept of broken cisterns comes up. We're going through Lamentations. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2.13. Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have done two wrongs. One, they've rejected me. Two, they're drawn from broken cisterns. A lot of these, just some of some of these just happen. Uh, I think a lot of them are because people have dug and are drawing from and drinking from broken, broken, broken cisterns. And it's not just that, you know, what wells are you drinking from, but what wells are you digging? And not just that, okay, so, so this Jacob's well, right? This was, uh, this was something that Jacob, whenever you would dig a well, it wasn't just yours, it was your family's, right? So what, del what, what wells are you digging for your children? Your kids are seeing what wells you're drinking from. They're seeing what wells you're, you're digging. I know. I'm going to leave you with something. I should have turned to 337. Here in this hymn. Also, I didn't realize whenever I picked this song that it was next to one of my favorite hymns that no one knows, Come Ye Disconsolate, uh, which is a, a hymn about people who are tired bringing things to God too. Right? Come ye disconsolate, where ye languish. Come to the mercy seat, fervently kneel. Here, bring your wounded hearts. Here, tell your anguish. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. 
joy of the desolate, light of the straying, hope of the penitent, made us impure, here speaks the comforter, tenderly saying, earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. That's a, that's a beautiful hymn. Look, here, here's what I'm saying with all this, because I know some of you, you might feel more tired leaving today than, than whenever you got here. Um, I actually think that's probably because, to some degree, you're, you're looking at some things. You're letting yourself be tired. Um, I want to say this. What are we saying? I'm not asking you to stop being tired. I, I just think Jesus is inviting you to sit for a while and to examine what well you're drinking. What wells you see people thinking? Maybe faith doesn't always remove exhaustion. It just gives it a place to sit. Maybe faith doesn't remove exhaustion. It just gives it a community to sit with. Maybe faith doesn't always remove exhaustion. Maybe it just gives it a voice. Maybe faith doesn't always remove exhaustion. It just brings you to a Savior who understands it. So the Word become flesh, rejected by men, tired as he was from the journey, and now our mediator. Maybe faith doesn't always remove exhaustion. It gives it a voice. A voice that can cry to the God who was tired. A voice that can cry to the God that's inviting you to come and sit with him for a while. And drink from the well that leaves you thirsty. No more. Let's stand and worship.